0: Chapter Nineteen of The Key to the Riddle: A Story of Huguenot Days by Margaret S. Comrie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen: The Prisoner in the Velvet Mask. Hola! Who goes there? Halt! The sharp imperative tone of command suddenly changed, and the order to surrender was followed by a volley of exclamations, ending in the amazed, "Gaston de Rohan! As I am an angry man, where in the name of thunder and lightning did you drop from?" From the same sky I make no doubt that thundered and lightened you from the clouds, Major de Brissac," replied Gaston, airily concealing as best he could his annoyance at this recontre with a detachment of His Most Catholic Majesty's troops on the high road to Sousa. "'Eh bien, that you of all men should turn up here and now proves that my lucky star must have been in the ascendant after all this morning. I and my men are in the worst of tempers and small wonder. Have we not been lying in wait all day on the heights above the Pass of Bonham, our bodies freezing with cold, our souls boiling with disappointment and rage? We had planned to have fine sport bringing down big game in the shape of a band of heretic vaudois, but pest! Instead of walking into the trap our Piedmontese cousins had prepared for them, the birds, warned by some traitor I warned, took mountain exercise elsewhere. Our colonel's amiability, a trifle soured already, will not be improved by the news we are on our way to report. "'and some of us I wot not will be glad enough that you are at hand "'to try on him your old powers of sweetening other folks' acidity. "'Ramon, but it is odd that we should meet, you and I, and here of all places. "'And you appear to be alone, mon ami. What freak is this?' "'De Rohan briefly explained his errand to Pinerolo, "'passing lightly over the trifling circumstance of his having chosen "'to leave his men-at-arms behind at Solangea, "'whereupon the lively Major, signing to his company to fall in behind, "'led the way towards the town of Susa, some two miles off en route de brissac rattled on in a ceaseless flow of talk now railing against the barbets for succeeding in giving him the slip now indiscreetly confiding to his old comrade of the military school in paris the cause of m the colonel de varda's present fit of accentuated ill-humour we were taking a state prisoner a veritable man in the iron mask to the citadel of pinerolo he explained and as ill luck would have it the inconvenient fellow must needs die yesternight for no reason on earth that can be discovered voyez-vous? The prisoner, that I will admit, did not carry the civilest of tongues in his head. Add to that fact this other, that our worthy Colonel has a volcano of a temper, and—' Que voulez-vous? De Brissac shrugged his shoulders expressively. There will be a fine stir in Paris when the thing is known, and Monsieur le Colonel is fit to tear not his own hair, which would be fitting, but the feelings of his affectionate sympathizers. True, there are but three of us in the secret as yet, but, ma foi, these state skeletons are not given to keeping decently in their cupboards. De Rohan listened without hearing. Truth to tell, his mind was much perturbed over the situation in which he now found himself. A position of affairs brought about, he was forced to acknowledge, by his own carelessness. He had been riding hard all day, but at last, feeling secure in the knowledge that he had left far behind him the Piedmontese troops who were in pursuit of the vaudois, he had under cover of the gathering dusk yielded to a sense of physical weariness and slackened speed. Allowing the reins to hang loosely on the neck of his good steed, he had fallen into a reverie, his thoughts strangely mixed. Now they were grave, as he reflected that perchance by this time, if the worthy Alphonse de tieu had succeeded in his cousinly machinations, Gaston de Rohan was a disinherited, and what in those days was still worse, an excommunicated man, and in consequence an exile from the land of his birth. Anon they were glad, with a gladness nothing could quench, as he realized his nearness to those who were dearer to him than lands, or fame, or even the esteem of his fellow-men de brissac's voice had roused him somewhat rudely to the discovery that he had inadvertently left the unfrequented by-path he had been pursuing and had wandered into the high-road and now while he was returning random monosyllables by way of reply to his friend's volubility he was schooling himself to play his part when face to face with colonel de varda a man whom he knew by name to be a military martinet as well as a bigoted churchman Arrived at Susa, de Rohan was introduced by de Brissac to his commanding officer, and by him was at once invited to mess that evening at the best inn of which the little town could boast. At supper, as Gaston had only too surely foreseen, the subject of conversation was divided between the fortunes of the French arms in the Palachanet and those miscreant vaudois and the slip they had given M. de Brissac that day. Plans were laid for still more effectively circumventing the exiles, and again and again Captain de Rohan was called upon for the benefit of his experience in council. It was not possible that his unresponsiveness and evasions could long escape notice, and Gaston could hardly be said to be taken aback by the keen thrust of the colonel. Monsieur de Rohan, your reticence strikes me as unpatriotic. Henri Arnoux himself could scarce observe a more prudent demeanour were the proceedings of the runaway barbets being under discussion in his presence. The words were spoken courteously, but with an underlying tone of suspicion. De Rohan was saved from the necessity of a reply, for at that moment there came a sudden interruption. An unceremonious knock at the door was followed by the hasty entrance of a sergeant. Saluting, he hurriedly apologized for his intrusion, the cause of which he was eager to explain. "'Monsieur Colonel, we have without doubt found the traitor who gave warning to the barbits at the Pass of Bonham. It is one Paul Ramier, the bugle-master's son. He was missing from headquarters yesternight. Lost his way on the mountains,' he declares, but refuses to give any account of himself. He has all along been suspected by some of our men of being in league with this devil's agent Henri Arno, and his band. We have had him arrested and put in irons. What may be your orders, Monsieur Colonel?" The Colonel, never in the best of humours at any time, was irritated at the very mention of the contemptible foe who had contrived to outwit his military tactics. It was a relief to have someone at last on whom he could legitimately wreck his spleen. "'Let him be shot on the morrow's morn at daybreak, Sergeant. It were well to teach the men a lesson. If what I hear be true there are other malcontents in the camp.' The Sergeant, saluting again, was about to withdraw when Gaston started to his feet. "'Halt!' he cried. His face was pale, but he stood erect, his hand on his sword, his head thrown back, his eye fearless. "'Monsieur, you have got the wrong man.' It was I, Gaston de Rohan, who gave warning to Monsieur Henri Arnoux of the ambush that had been laid for him. I did not know then that it was this distinguished company I was circumventing, but the knowledge would have made naught of difference to my action." A dead silence followed upon this bold speech. Under his breath, de Brissac, furiously twisting his mustache, had muttered, "'Fool! Could he not have held his tongue?' The remaining officers, two young lieutenants who had found themselves greatly attracted by de Rohan, looked uneasily at the major. Sergeant Soubise, a savage-tempered fellow of whom even the fiery colonel stood somewhat in awe, smiled sardonically. "'Monsieur Colonel, there is no further need, I presume, for the irons or—or the execution on the morrow. I have your leave to withdraw, monsieur.' A scowl darkened the face of the commanding officer, who was heated with wine and anger combined. "'The scoundrel thinks I am afraid to meddle with the de Rohan.' he muttered wrathfully to himself, for the half-sneer in the sergeant's voice had stung him. "'Hold there, varlet!' he shouted. "'In truth there is need of both. The irons now, and—the execution at daybreak, will be reserved for monsieur the captain Gaston de Rohan.' De Brissac changed colour. So did the lieutenants. Colonel de Varda saw that in his hurry to assert himself he had gone too far, but he was too small a man to withdraw merely because mercy had sounded the retreat. "'Como!' he roared in rising fury. "'Insubordination, monsieur!' de brissac stepped forward monsieur le colonel your inferior officers know their places better than to oppose the authority of their illustrious chief whose very name in france is synonymous with judgment and valor colonel de varda was very susceptible of tactful flattery and his rage was somewhat mollified it would be gross presumption for any of us to dictate to an officer of your rank and renown and it is only upon the plea of my being an old schoolmate of that fool there glancing with supreme contempt at gaston who stood opposite with folded arms that i venture to interfere with the trifling suggestion eh bien and what may it be that you would propose major demanded his superior that we should let him go free to do us further mischief de Brissac shrugged his shoulders ma foi no vraiment well. but he has had his turn now it is ours let him take the late prisoner fouca's berth at pinerolo it will save us from an awkward dilemma that he should personate our man in the velvet mask let him swear and let it be remembered, monsieur, that men of his eccentric stamp never break their word of honour, that he will with scrupulous care wear the steel visor, that he will never without permission of his jailer reveal his identity in the citadel until such time as his most Christian majesty shall appoint, and to this end that he will pass himself off under another name. Involuntarily three pairs of eyes were turned upon Gaston. Truth to tell, none in the room, from the surly colonel downwards, but would be relieved if de Brissac's plan of extricating them from a most embarrassing situation was proved practicable. In spite of the trick he had played them, de Rohan had gained their liking and esteem, and in their hearts none of them wished to mill. Moreover, and this fact Colonel de Varda was not too drunk to see, the Major's proposal would, as he had said, save the company from the consequences of its colonel's hot-headed rashness in crossing swords with the prisoner of state. Strange to say, de Varda did not seem to entertain a moment's doubt as to the inviolability of Gaston de Rohan's word of honour. Stranger still, perhaps, unless the wine he had drunk be taken into account, he failed to observe that the Major's cunningly worded conditions left the prisoner in the citadel of Pinerolo free to make his escape, if circumstances favoured the attempt. "'Gentlemen,' said Gaston, bowing first to the Colonel and then to the others, "'I appreciate to the full the consideration which has been shown to me. I pledge myself to abide by the restrictions laid down by M. de Brissac, and approved of by M. le Colonel Navarre. Doubtless, however—and he bowed again, this time somewhat anxiously—doubtless, monsieur, you will permit me to acquaint my relatives of my well-being. They—'Most assuredly, no, monsieur captain,' thundered the commanding officer. Ma foi, no, unless we would have all France, headed by your vassals of the Le Rocher de Rohan, roused to find the missing lord of the Chateau. Not considering it was necessary for him to enlighten the angry speaker, with regard to the fact of his relatives being nearer at hand than Le Richard de Rohan, Gaston remained silent. At a sign from de Brissac the sergeant had gone in search of the disguise worn by their deceased prisoner. He now returned with it, a black velvet mask with steel springs at the chin which enabled the wearer to eat without removing the visor. Stepping up to de Rohan, de Brissac adjusted the mask, murmuring as he did so, "'Keep quiet. The vaudois dispersed. You will be set at liberty.' I shall have information conveyed to the Abbe de Chu. He is high in favor, I understand, with Madame de Montenot, and will speedily arrange matters. You will see. De Rohan's smile struck his friend oddly. Yes, mon ami, returned the prisoner gravely. I shall see. End of chapter 19